It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. More college football coming up after uh, week one with a slew of games. Uh, UNLV wins over the weekend. Uh, Nevada, that was a tough one. That was a tough one uh, against USC. But we'll break that down a little bit later on both of the in-state schools. Adam Hill is here in this 4 o'clock hour. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Damon is here as well. We were just talking to Heath Klein, who we uh, like to have on as a kind of a southern football insider when it comes to college football. I can't wait until next year when the playoffs start. I know you're not super keen on it because you worry about now the back end and how they're going to let the last couple teams in. Um, but that's always been the case. But at least with 12, there's less mistakes. Uh, at the 12 mark, you're, you know, you're going to have some teams that have that are pissing and moaning about not getting in who have two and three losses, which you don't have as, as great a case. But uh, LSU this year, I really like Jaden Daniels. I'm not a Brian Kelly hater, even though he seems like kind of a really creepy human being. Um, this was This is one of the things about college football that's – Kind of depressing when you lose a a mega game. Uh, you, know, you lose a game early and it's a mega game. You're kind of – I don't think enough people differentiate. So they're going to have to be near perfect to get yeah. into the Final Four. But you're in the SEC, so the wins are there in front of them. They control their own destiny. But, you know, they could get to a situation at the end. I mean, if they if they finish with one loss and they win the SEC title game, yeah, be in. they're in. But there's no margin for error now. But they didn't play well in the second half. Yeah. No, no question. I don't, you know, we talked about Dion talking about everybody, you know, doubting them. In Brian Kelly's case, he came out and made the ridiculous, we're going to there, we're going to kick their butts. Like, all right, well, settle down. Uh, there's really no need for that. And now it looks completely ridiculous after you get crushed in the second half. Do we like Mark, uh, Mike Norvell? He had, a, he had a little thing two weeks ago, which I've actually filed away now. Uh, did you see the video of him kind of running into practice? And yeah. I think he caught everyone off guard. Yeah. Did, they didn't answer him quickly quickly enough when he said, how's your day? Yeah. And someone started answering. He's like, all right, I guess you're not going to answer. And ran off like, yeah. coach, relax. So let me tell you, anytime I'm around UNLV coaches and they're like, hey, what's up? I'm like, yeah, great. <laughs> all good. I just do the nod. No. Yeah. Norvell would flip out. Like, I cannot wait. Do you remember the Clemson-Florida State storyline a couple years by ago? By with the way, so I've also started randomly doing thumbs up. Really? Why? Uh, I, I used to I, just nod and not everybody sees it, so I'm like, I like doing thumbs up. It's it's obnoxious. I was doing I it in it. pictures. I don't know way why too, I do way it. too often. Yeah, like You're not know, a politician. Stupid, yeah, stupid situations too, like at weddings, you know, like pictures for memory, yeah, for, yeah. for memories, and you're like, yeah, dork. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I don't know why I do it. I hate it. And you I know what happens as you get older? You just do stuff, and you're like, I, what's happening? I don't even like. I'm gonna consciously try to stop. You should. I still haven't. I mean, I. I probably do this material every two weeks. I still haven't stopped with the handshakes. <laughs> I had one. I had one yesterday with somebody was somebody's leaving, and I went to shake their hand for some reason. I don't know yep, why. Know. And then he stopped short oh, of it. Did and you just, do it? He was like, "You got caught in between." No, he he was I like, "No, no, no, we're fist pumping." Good. I was like, "I would rather fist." Good. Like, why did you're I, an idiot? Why, why did I make the mistake? Did you shake his fist? And I'll tell you why. Did you shake his fist? He was a lawyer. Oh really? So I was like, "I, I think you're supposed to show respect and shake the hand." Why? I don't know. No, Subconsciously. Why is an attorney? I smart, thought he's more than pro- you. He's more professional. He is more professional. He's more yeah. disciplined. And he went fist bump. You're not thinking. But clearly. it wasn't a fantasy draft, so that's he's not on the clock or anything. Huh. So I, 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 it should have been more casual, but to me, I was like, oh, it's a lawyer. I have to shake the hand. I did, uh, I did have – no, I think I actually shook someone's fist. 
Yeah, I did that. Which is even worse. When, worst. I, when I said after COVID, I'm like, I'm never shaking anyone's hand again. And right now, it's, I'd say it's still 70% handshakes. It's so stupid. I have no discipline. I told you, I I did it with Dana. Because he That's he went to shake hands. He doesn't like you already. Well, he went he went to shake hand. I went You're fist bump. Dana White. I went fist bump, and then he saw that and adjusted to fist bump. And then you came out. But I had adjusted already to hand and just grabbed onto his hand or grabbed onto his fist. And I'm standing like, what am I doing? By the way, did you hug? We talked about uh, being treated to a birthday dinner. Did you hug the birthday boy? Uh, he tried. What do you do? Do you just lock it? You up? know what's also funny? Uh, on a side note from this, because as you said- This whole show is side notes. You don't need is. to say a side note. No, but I mean, we're going back to, you know, people might not have been listening uh, a minute That's ago, good. including people in another town. Uh, we, we were at a dinner. It was a, like a surprise party dinner for somebody. And uh, <laughs> when you, you walked in and sat down at the table, the mother of this person who had planned everything- Yeah. Whispered, lean over whispers, like, I thought you and Steve were friends. And I was like, Yeah, we are. Yeah. And she's like, You didn't even say hi to each other. I'm like, Yeah. It's... We didn't. We didn't. <laughs> no, not at all. We didn't. Yep. Oh, I, I shook everyone's. I shook uh, it was two couples across the way. Yeah. I was like, Hey, what's who going you on? barely know? It, introdu- you know, introducing everyone, introducing <laughs> the SO. I sat right down, didn't even look. I, I, mean, yeah. I saw Adam. I was like, Oh, there's Adam. And she goes, I thought you were friends. And I was like, Yeah, we are. She's like, I didn't, I, I didn't know if it was tense. I, I, I feel bad that I brought you both here. It's I'm like, No, tense. we're good. Oh, my God. We're she good. made it into a tense yeah. situation. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I'm like, No, we're good. She's like, I, It was, that just seemed weird. And I'm like, No, nah, it's just us. We're, we're fine. I'm sure she was put <laughs> off by the both of us. Oh, no, she, no. She loved she me. She was really, well, I don't, I don't know if she loved me. She was really being inquisitive, which is what people do because she's never met me before. I'm friends with McKinnell, and she wanted like the whole. Four one one is that the is that the term? Uh, she want, what is it that? As if it's nineteen ninety four. Yeah, I know. Uh, she wanted all the information, and I'm like, can we eat? Can we, let's eat this meal that you're paying for. Yeah, I, Stop uh, asking me questions. I know. And actually, because the first thing I first thing I said to her because we met earlier was I kind of mumbled, which I I tend to do. Yeah. And then she couldn't hear me, so then from there I just yelled everything. And then what I was happens? I was really trying to be open to like, hey, here's here's me. She's she was a big fan of SL. I'll say that. Oh, she was chatty as hell. That's why I bring her along. Yeah, she couldn't She's stop great. talking about her. And I was like, Oh, what about Steve? She's like, Yeah, he's here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, okay, we know what kind of impression I made. I don't know where we're going, but yes, that, big that, four that, time. that did happen. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number four. Team USA waiting on uh, the semifinals now in the FIBA World Cup. But along the way, they lost the game, they and they seemed pissed. Yeah, they did, they, and they responded. And we know that, by the way, that they absolutely destroyed uh, poor Italy, whose fans are furious with Team USA. Why? Uh, Paolo. I know. I saw that. Yeah. Actually, uh, one of the like Italian basketball, the fed- uh, president of the federation, uh, Gianni Petrucci. He's Italian? Yes. <laughs> Use the word betrayal for Paolo Bancaro. Because well, yeah. he had committed to Italy, what, during the summer? And yeah. then flipped. Yeah. Flipped, flipped his said, commitment. Said he would play for Italy, and then Team USA is like, hey, you want to play for us? Yep. I actually want to win a medal. So, yes. Uh, so, yeah. And then USA buried him. Yeah. They were not happy, and, and it looked like they took out their frustration, including after the game, they made made those points. You know, uh, Tyrese Halliburton was one who just said, we were pissed. We, we did not want to lose. And... 
By the way, I'm not sure how much of a loss it actually was. I mean, they got a better draw because of the loss, and it wasn't a metal, it wasn't a knockout game, so yep. it didn't really matter. Wake up call. Uh, but yeah, I think I think to them, they just thought they could just roll out there, no motivation, not caring to win. They saw that they can't, and now still favored to win the tournament. Yeah, uh, Lithuania, who beat them, got knocked out too. Yeah. Number three. I really don't know where all the games are on now for college football. I mean, I watched the game I wanted to watch this weekend was on CBS because I think CBS is with the Big Ten. I, I don't I don't know all the partnerships anymore. I just I go to my TV carrier. I find it. I kind of know the announcers, but I know front office sports did a whole thing about Fox and ESPN. And, you know, going back to 2011, one of the powers in, in college football at the time had said, um, yeah, it was the LSU chancellor said, I think we could ultimately end up with two conferences, one called ESPN, one called Fox. Yeah. So, I mean, do we hate, do we hate the TV networks? Are we mad no, at them? I think the issue with that is there's very few people. I, I actually was I was somewhere yesterday with like a, a place where it actually was a TV with like the TV guide thing. You scroll down and right. try to find your game, and I was like, what are we doing? Like that's not like with streaming, you're just turning it on and clicking find the game. Game turns on. Doesn't matter what channel it's on, yeah. what network it's on. If you, you know, I use YouTube TV. I think a lot of people do now. Where literally, it's not. You don't even know what channel you're watching. It's just like, okay, here, do you want to watch this I, game? Yeah, I know because I know I follow announcers and I also watch the commercials. So I saw the seat on the game I was watching. Yeah. that I wanted to watch on Sunday. I could tell, but you're right. I don't think most people know. Yeah, I, th- there's what network. Very, it is. very often, I'm watching a game and I don't know what network it's on. All right, come on. Has it ruined college football? Are you mad? I'm not mad, but I was at my uncle's house Saturday, and he does have YouTube TV, another reason why him and Adam are best friends. And it was great. We're just, like, flipping through the games. I was like, I don't have YouTube TV. So, for me, I was like, man, this is a good way the, to watch the it. The four-box, too? Did yeah. you watch any four-box games? Although, God, there were some complaints about that. So, what were the for those that do have YouTube TV, I, I do think it's great. And it's going to come in the NFL. A lot of people are going to have it now because that's where you get the package for at home. And they have four boxes where you go to it. Instead of going to a game – as soon as you turn it on, if you go to sports, it lists like, hey, do you want to watch these four games at the same time or these four games at the same time? But they choose for you. And only one, they had like 10 or 12 options for four boxes. Only one of them included the Colorado TCU game. And people were furious about that. You don't have the flexibility to set up the four games yourself. No, not now. Maybe you will. And maybe that's something they're working it. on. Yeah. Uh, but it, you didn't then. And so pe- I saw people just going off and furious about it. Uh, so I, I thought that was interesting, especially with the NFL coming. If it's if they're deciding for you what four games are going to be in there, because one of the things they've hyped with them getting uh, the the direct ticket, not direct ticket anymore, I guess, um, is that they you know they they'll be able to show these four at a time for people. But if they're choosing the four, that could be an issue. Number two. Call an audible here. Oh boy. And flip flop one and two. Because I do want to get into Clemson more. Clemson lost to Duke. But boy, Damon is getting really good at this. Because I think he knows what the reaction is going to be here. Damon, the Pac 12 was undefeated and clearly the best conference. How did George blow it? It's a good like, question. I'll, I'll bite on the how did George blow it and how did the presidents blow it? Because it is absurd that the conference is going to break up. This is really stupid. Um, I love that the Pac-12 is undefeated because there's been this brainwashing that's gone on from 
especially people in the South. And then the Big 12 is this, this whole thing about how much better it is as a football conference than the Pac-12. Cut it out. Okay, please stop. Uh, the Pac-12, even without USC and UCLA, was better than the Big 12, minus Texas and Oklahoma in the future. But it's not the best conference this year. It's the best conference for quarterbacks. It's going to be the best most explosive conference on a consistent basis for most of the teams. It's going to be one of the more entertaining conferences to watch, but it's not the best conference. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. It's, I've been, it's fun. We can't. On this show, we can't. On that one, we cannot embrace debate. There's a lot of games that we still can't watch. That is a problem. <laughs> it's gonna, it's That's going to be infuriating with all these great quarterbacks, and then you can't get whatever game. Uh, yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not. It's also it's week it was week one, right? And a lot of the teams are playing, yeah. if, you know, lower level teams from the FDS and yeah. then FCS teams. Yeah, I mean, the, the Colorado wins a big one. But I don't. I don't know now if that's a Pac-12 well, win or a Big Twelve win. I'm not sure. Washington was a big one. Yeah. I I know we have like four people listening right now from Boise, but my rankings are not going to treat you very kindly. I will release my Mountain West Conference post week one rankings. That looked like crap. Boys, was and Washington's early? really good. This was 9-7 early in the game. Yeah, a nice well, lead. Okay. After one. And then what? Well, then it fell apart. Yeah. Penix is really good, though. Do you really believe the Pac-12 is the best conference? No, not at all. Oh, okay. Oh, man, I was hoping you were going to make like a really strong case for it. He would have, but he's not a he's not a commander. He's a quarterback play. Best quarterback play in the entire in the in, in the entire country. How about that? And we're going off the most important position in football, it's got to be the Pac-12. That's the argument that you can make right there. Oh, no doubt. Uh, this hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, office in Reno, Henderson, and Las Vegas. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. You know, I was mentioning a couple minutes ago about putting out a uh, Mountain West Conference Week One, you know, power rankings. Hard to get a read on the Wolfpack. I mean, USC is ridiculous. Sixty-six uh, fourteen, they wound up losing. Run game did not get going, which is the thing that I believe they were going to lean on. But they actually did throw the ball pretty well, which should worry USC fans because this is back-to-back weeks where they handled their business pretty easily, but gave up. Some yards to Cordero, both uh, and the San Jose State offense, both on the ground and in the air. And uh, Nevada wound up throwing for three eleven. Speaking of defense, because I want to get the Clemson here in a second. Um, UNLV's defense had mixed results because when they needed to on third and fourth down, especially to kind of set the tone in the first half, they nutted up big time and got some really good stops, and including one at the six yard line. Where they had a jailbreak on a on a fourth and fourth and two, I think it was, yeah. and the I mean the play never even got started. Uh, there were three guys on the quarterback, uh, Zevi Yakhouse, in a second. But I, be, I believe off the top of my head, I think there were four of thirteen on third down, or one of four on fourth down. So I mean that that those downs are where they played pretty well. But I think for the most part, you look at it and say a lot of open receivers, no pressure on the quarterback. Like there were some troubling things against the overmatched I, opponent. I was thinking as I was watching that the pressure on the quarterback thing, this is going to sound ridiculous for a program that hasn't consistently won. I don't know that they wanted to reveal a lot of what they're going to do for a pass rush standpoint. Um, I, I, was right, more, I, I, think, I was more troubled with some of the tackling and then 
the Bryant run game was effective. And it actually it, it looked a little better at times in the second half, which is not supposed to happen. Yeah. Well, I, I would say I would agree with you. I don't think they were they wanted to show anything exotic, but I think you are counting on your athletes to just be better and just create pressure I mean, through physicality. I, it didn't happen. I want to see what happens with the next couple of Bryant games because I have a feeling a lot of their games are going to be, you know, 45-42. I don't know if their defense is any good, but I think they have an offense. Jalen Dixon, one of the UFs, uh, at I don't know what I'm saying, USC. Um, UNLV defensive lineman, he, he called the offensive line for Bryant great. So he's played against a lot of offensive lines. Well, they I do mean, have all five guys back, and they're big, but that's – we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I get that he's just saying that, yeah. um, but also you're about to play Michigan. I know. <laughs> so yeah. if you thought they were great, yeah. you're going to have a hard time Saturday. Yeah. So Clemson loses, gets ripped on the scoreboard by Duke. Tons of mistakes in the red zone. Um a lot of defensive mistakes as well. Kicking game was horrific. So I don't want to overreact because Duke is pretty good. They had a good year last year. And again, keep in mind, they were only 12 point dogs. It was at home, but 12 points is not, you know, this isn't like the upset of the century, although they've never, when was the last time they beat? We looked that up. Was it 93 or something? It was crazy. It's been like 30 years since they beat a top 10 team. But. I think Clemson's in trouble in terms of their expectations. I don't think this is a one-off. I think we saw it coming last year. Um, DJU and everyone can laugh and say, oh, well, you know, he left because the other quarterback. The other quarterback? Really? Klubnik? Did he look great? He's okay. Yeah. Um, the, the offensive line is not good there. The defensive line is not what it used to be. And there's one main reason. The buck stops with who? Mr. 11 mil a year. Mr. I don't like what's happening to college football, and he started saying it five and six years ago when he said, if the players are paid, I will quit and I will go do something else. And I'm not going to sit here and go after a loss to Duke to open the season because things can go badly in your first game, that it's time to leave because I don't think he'd have anywhere to go because professional players are not going to listen to Dabo Sweeney. But I really believe his stubbornness to not evolve and embrace what's going on right now is going to be his downfall for the next couple of years. He will be forced to use NIL, and more importantly, all this puffing their chest out about the transfer portal, Dabo, you're wrong. Not using it, you're wrong, and now it's hurting your football program because of those deep-seated feelings from a few years back about NIL. You know what it is with him? And, and this happens with a lot of coaches, and he's not old, but they're stubborn, and as the game changes – and athletes have more rights, and athletes can transfer, they can't adjust their attitude because the way they coach has to be through intimidation. And now players are like, yeah, I don't like this. I'm leaving. And in the past, they could hold on to everyone. I mean, if you want a classic example, as time went along, Bobby Knight just wasn't a you know top 20 coach anymore because he was inflexible. Yeah. you got to change with the times. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Clemson was the first team to have NIL. They said – They've been practicing NIL since the day Dabo took the job. Yes. The program was made in Jesus' name, image, and likeness. Yes. So Dabo said, yep. we, don't have, we don't care about the rules. Yeah. We've had NIL here. But so am I off on that, so that, that he's stubborn and he, he you know, you, uh, come on, at a, at a massive program with top five expectations, you have to swallow your pride and fill in your holes. Guys, some guys don't develop. You bring in five stars, four stars, sometimes they don't develop. You got to fill in. You got to go grab players. Hell, Georgia went out and grabbed a wide receiver. 
because they were like, hey, we need one. But he's stubborn. So enjoy, yeah. enjoy, and it's not gonna it's not gonna be two wins, but enjoy winning seven or eight games and making twelve million dollars a year, and I guess trying to keep your thumb on the players, but it's not gonna work long term. Players yeah, have I, rights now. I think one thing is obviously they were overrated because of the brand, because people just saw oh Clemson they're good, yep. you know Clubnick after you know a year of kind of rotating in and out and only getting one start, like he's gonna he's a five star recruit and he's gonna you know take them to the next level. But um, I think those are brand name thing. Now also I will disagree with. Uh, our what's the full title against uh, our Cofield Company Southern College, college football, football expert? Uh, I did watch the game, and yeah. if they played again, I'd bet Clemson. Like the, Clemson just kept dropping the ball at the one yard line. Yeah. You can't do that. That that can't happen. And then I don't think Duke plays as well if they're behind, which they should have been like twenty one seven or twenty because they made two field goals earlier. Whatever should have been twenty to seven at some point. If they're behind that much, I think the game kind of changes, but they weren't. They got to play with a lead, mm-hmm. more comfortable. Their quarterback's pretty in. good. They, they pretty went good. up rushing for like 200 yards, six yeah. yards of carry. A lot of that is, again, your, your right, head. You don't situation. have to worry about throwing. It's, it changes the whole game. And for and Dabo also playing like it's you know 1955 football yep. and kicking a field goal inside the five-yard line or trying to kick a field goal inside the five-yard line when they had already missed one badly and then missing that one too. Like why are you kicking a field goal? It doesn't make any sense. But I also look. I have openly said I don't like that person. Actually, you know right. what? I I talked to him for a half hour. And he was great. He was more uh, like cool. which I which I didn't. I, I didn't like I'm going. Much. I'm going to jump way ahead on this one. I've been telling all of you that NIL and the transfer portal is going to change college football, where it is going to be more balanced. The counter has been no teams are going to stockpile more and more players. Players are not going to stay to be twos and threes consistently, even at the best programs in the country. It's not going to happen. And the other thing, well, the biggest the biggest position of concern for everyone at the highest level is, can you have a number two quarterback? Will they stay there for more than two years to wait their turn? And it, if you look around the country, you're like, oh, like I every weekend I'm like, oh, that guy's there, he's there, he's there. Like, okay, wanted to play. Well, so in Clemson's and, case, and, and number one quarterbacks leave. Like, right and you're yeah. not the quarterback anymore. well because because I mean the message was sent and yeah. I think the fans were you know crap to DJU and it's like okay then I'll just leave I'll be embraced at Oregon State and he's going to be fine there um, but you're you're going to see let's see how this plays out the next three or four weeks right um, you had sent over a story Demond about hey best quarterbacks this weekend and I wanted to also flip it to most disappointing right with expectations so Michael Penix is ridiculous. Kalen DeBoer and that staff have taken him to such a level. He's also healthy. Like he was good at Indiana, but he wasn't like this. Yeah, this is he's he's great. And if you looked across the country, the efficiency of a lot of the pass games. There were so many star quarterbacks who were like eighteen of 23, 24 of twenty eight. Uh, your guy McCarthy, I think, was uh, twenty six of thirty, something like that. Um, so there's good quarterbacks at some of these high level schools, but going into this year. This assumption all the time that well Clemson's going to be Clemson, Alabama's going to be Alabama, Georgia will be you know Georgia that I mentioned Ohio State they're going to be the same like if you're if you have a quarterback for three years like whatever you want to say about Stetson Bennett the guy won he's a winner like I think this guy is going to be good but like Ohio State I have Kyle McCord Oof. like everyone just assumed oh the next guy just because they've done it you know for a couple of quarterbacks in a row I I like Milrow I like his running ability we'll see. Against Texas, what he does. Now, I have a feeling they're going to bounce back and, you know, Saban's going to have them max motivated. But a lot of these superpower college football programs, the next guy, maybe UCLA has the next guy, 
DTR was pretty good. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a change in the guard. There's going to be a couple of programs that you assume every year. Oh, they're, they're definitely 11 or 12 wins competing for the playoff. There's going to be some programs that are like, crap, we don't have the quarterback. We've Yes, but we've also, to that point, like we see teams like Florida State now are like, all right, we're back. We can just buy it. We're back. We're good. Like They were, they were bad for a while. Like, um, all right, we'll think, buy our way back into being good. I, and the I other, think they bought into it, but also let's give them credit. Um, their quarterback had a long haul. And at one point, I don't know if you guys watched the Marty Smith feature, um, Jordan Travis actually asked the coaches to move to wide receiver. Like, he had lost yeah. all his confidence, and they yeah. stuck with him. Yeah. But you're uh, right. No, then, then, but and they're, then, they're, you're right. They're, and that's the other thing that's going to make it more competitive. There are programs in the middle right now who then you get funding with the NIL. Then you're bringing up competition to the big boys. Like, there are lots of schools that can pay uh, an elite quarterback or an elite player. So it's not the kind of the hush money behind the scene where it was the same – Six or seven programs, we're getting everybody. Yeah, and I, but I, and it's also you know we're talking about potentially more parity because of this, and then we're we're coming off a week where three of the top teams won by seventy or more points. Like that, that is still. And I'm not gonna. I, I saw people doing that. Um, who are you talking about? Are you talking about Oklahoma? You know, there's just yeah three teams. So Oklahoma teams beat Arkansas by, State seventy three nothing. Butch yeah. Jones, I, I think I think he was crying he was, on the sideline. Yeah, he was melting down. His players were like it's okay, buddy. But I, you know, I was <laughs> I was looking at that game. I was handicapping that game. I'm like. Bro, you've been there like three years. What happened to the – they were a good program. Like, what would you do to the program here? Then that is the risk of hiring an older guy sometimes, right? Jim Moore Jr. has done a good job. He's energetic. You hire some older veteran coaches sometimes. They don't want to recruit at that level. They stink. So I don't want to go crazy over Oklahoma beating them 73 now. can't cry. That crying was not good. <laughs> it's not good. should probably move on. Yeah, that's a full breakdown. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying that he should – that's enough. So it's funny, we were talking about upsets in college football, the few upsets, and I was just saying to Adam, I will always go back and fit that into my narrative that more balance is coming in college football. Uh, I hope it is, and I love the 12-team playoff coming up next year. Good stuff on the way. You find it weird. We were talking about college uh, football uh, TV and the networks, right? And uh, we're not really even familiar with who has the games anymore. And then you see certain announcers, and you're like, oh, okay, that guy's working for whoever. So Urban Meyer's back with Fox, which I – like, he didn't exactly leave the Jaguars in the NFL in great standing. And part of it was canoodling with, you know, young women on the side. And Fox took him right back. Sure. Which I think it's weird. So now he's in a position because he was caught publicly at whatever that bar was in Ohio when he skipped out on the trip back with the Jaguars. I think he's in a position where people are probably watching him. So you, what happened here? Was he was he chatting up some co-ed or someone? Are we making too much of this? We don't know for sure. It was a very quick Love the, inve- the investigative as, tone of Adam Hill. As we Fox, don't know all the facts yet. We don't. As Fox came back from a commercial break and they panned from out, they kind of zoomed into the desk, yeah. which was at the stadium, you could see those who were on the set still getting ready to talk about the game. Right. Urban was on break, so he was off to the side of the stage. Okay. And as the camera was too far away, you could see outside the actual stage area. Right. And Urban was kind of leaning against, the, leaning against something, talking to what appeared to be a fairly young female. 
okay. Could not have, under, you know, not could, a kid, could but be like someone you know, college Could student. be someone working for Fox. Could be. He looked very casual for a work conversation. Oh, really? DeMond is leaning right now doing a conversation. Yeah, is that right? That was the lean he was taking. May not have been much of an issue if not for the right. barstool it, incident. It, I don't mean it, barstool, it, the website. I mean, you know, sitting on a barstool with a girl when he was supposed to be with the team. Right. It could be nothing. But you made your bed, so every time sure. we see you talking with someone who looks like a co-ed, imaginations will but, run. And by the way, <laughs> good for him. Yeah, do whatever you want. But I mean, this, not at, what you I preach. Mean, at, at this point, if it's not family beware, then they're stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Damon, did you did you go back on your statement that you would not be watching the Florida documentary, Florida Gator documentary on Netflix? No, I haven't watched a second of it. Okay. Um, he did watch BSI, though. Oh, that was great. I, uh, you undersold it. Oh, don't man. spoil it, because I started to watch it, and then I, I didn't, which I'm going to watch coming up. I The SO actually wanted to watch the Florida Gator thing. Oh. And it is really interesting watching with someone who's not a college football fan and the impression that documentary was giving off. It really was a rehab Urban's image deal. Gross. It's gross. It was it, The first two episodes are um, – what a tough ride he had as a nobody in coaching that Florida took a risk on, <laughs> and he reached the top of the mountain very unexpectedly. Yeah, that's that's the way it goes. But one of the big things I, I had a question out of the documentary was Paul Feinbaum, I suppose, was a paid participant in the documentary as kind of the media voice, and he repeatedly kept going with this narrative that Urban Meyer was a nobody. Florida fans were like, who the hell is this? I'm like, that's not the way it was. He was extremely successful at Utah and yeah. highly coveted and a big victory, getting him over Notre Dame. And then they won the national championship in year two. They beat Ohio State. Before the game, they're showing all these clippings and everyone's saying they're going to get annihilated. They're not going to compete in this game. They were seven-point dogs, <laughs> which is, you know, that, that is somewhat sizable, but it wasn't freaking, you know, Namath and the Colts. And then – Paul Feinbaum comes on after they win the title. They show the highlights, and he's like, this was unexpected. And I'm looking back. I'm like, what are the odds on Florida that year? They were 10-1 to 1 to win the national title. They were probably the, the fourth choice. And I just wonder, and I'll, I'll follow up on this on the way back. Like, as a media person, you're just like, I'm just going to lie because that's what the documentary wants. I'll, I'll just fib. Don't care. It's money. Coolfield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Sam Paniatovich is in from Nesson and Fox Sports. Adam Hill, Cofield, Demon. What's up, Sam? What's going on, boys? I'm working on the quarterback list per usual. You know the drill Tuesday and Wednesday, trying to figure out who's in, who's out, and who's indifferent. College football. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. because, you know, these coaches don't say anything. Um, we were just listening to a radio show. Um, in West Lafayette, the head coach is on this radio show and they're asking him about player X and player Y. And he's saying nothing, even though, you know, these coaches basically have an idea who's in, who's out, Mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to concussions. It's been fascinating. You know, guys get their bells rung week zero. They don't play week one. And then they're suddenly totally healthy week number two, you know, because the NCAA has that new provision where you can get in a lot of trouble if a kid's concussed and you don't report it. 
Um, and those guys basically have to miss a guaranteed week, and then all of a sudden they're ready to go the following week. But, yeah, there are a couple quarterbacks that they got their bells rung last week and we're trying to figure out who's in, who's out. Who are they? Biggest question marks, which quarterbacks? Uh, the biggest one is at Ohio. That's uh, Curtis Rourke. He's their starting quarterback. You know, we've got him worth like six points to the line. Hmm. And uh, the Bobcats go to uh, Florida Atlantic this week. Um, and that number right now is Florida Atlantic minus five. The total is starting to move up a little bit. But, I mean, this could be a game if, if Rourke gets reported in tomorrow. I mean, good Lord, if he's worth six points, I mean, that thing probably goes to like two. Um, so, you know, there are guys that that are in my inner circles that are already betting some of the fives. You know, I see a four and a half at, at stations. I see a four and a half at DraftKings. So there's already anticipation that the kid might be in. But, yeah, that's a kid, you know, in the MAC conferences like the MAC, the Mountain West, you know, the, the drop-off between quarterback one and quarterback two is, is substantially bigger than it is at, like, an Ohio State or Michigan because usually the backup at a power school is pretty good. Not the case at a school like Ohio. Was there a second quarterback you had questions about injury-wise? Oh, there's a bunch. I mean, I, we got the quarterback at Purdue, the quarterback at Ohio. Uh, let's see, the quarterback at Cal, quarterback at Tulane. That's Pratt, who's going to be in the NFL pretty soon. We think he's going to play. The Kansas quarterback is likely in, Jalen Daniels. And then um, the, the uh, polarizing quarterback, and I, I'm sure you're not surprised here, is Cam Rising at Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, I told you guys a month ago he wasn't going to play against Florida. I don't think he's going to play this week either. And that's a game, uh, Utah-Baylor, 319-320. Baylor's quarterback is out with a knee injury, and Cam Rising might not play. So you might be on quarterback two with both teams, Utah and Baylor. What do you want to do with that game? Because I was already looking at Baylor, what, at home, plus seven and a half? Yeah, I would probably take the points here, especially with a game that's now totaled at 47. I mean, you know, seven, seven and a half is not the biggest number, but – you know, those touchdowns are precious when we start talking about a game totaled in the high 40s. That's very low for a college football total. Like, if it makes any sense, the 7.5 is much more valuable with a total of 47 in Utah Baylor than it would be in, you know, Tulsa and Washington, 64.5, or Texas State, UTSA, 65.5. Like, the more points, we're talking 50s, 60s, into the, into the low 70s, those 7s aren't worth as much because there's expected to be more points. So I, I would agree with you. I would probably look to take the points, um, especially considering Cam Rising probably not going to play. I was going to ask about just the Utah situation in terms of Cam Rising being out. Utah still look pretty good. So do we take away the fact that you know Utah is okay even without them, or do we just say Florida is just not good? It's a very good question, Hill. I think it's a twofold issue. You know, Rising is good, but he's not great. And again, I think a lot of people get lost in the conversation. Like they just look at quarterback one and they don't think about quarterback two. Um, you know, clearly the Barnes kid was ready to go. And he got some run last year in the Rose Bowl. Kyle Whittingham also had a lot of time to prepare a game plan for Barnes. He knew Rising wasn't going to play a month ago, but he was like, oh, maybe he's going to play. And, you know, they knew the truth the whole time. But I think that the the scenario at Utah is that Rising isn't as good as people think, and the backup was well-prepared, and and he executed. They also brought in um, the running quarterback who was able to make a lot of plays with his legs. But that game swung in all reality when when Florida had first and goal. They were already – I think they were up 7-3, to and then they had a bad penalty. They muffed the field goal. Utah goes right down the field 10-7, and from there, Utah never looked back. So even given all that at quarterback and all the question marks at Utah – 
Florida really blew the game. I mean, that was one of the most undisciplined, undetermined. Like, that team sucked. <laughs> they, they had nine penalties in, like, the first 45 minutes. That can't happen at Florida. There's too much talent there. The technique was bad. I, I just think Florida's a really bad team this year. Iowa is playing Iowa State this week. Can we make any bets on this game without knowing who the players in the game are actually betting on? <laughs> How do you bet that game knowing that both programs are crooked as hell? I mean, let's also not ignore that. I mean, both of them got sanctioned for gambling on teams <laughs> on campus. So I I don't know. I, I, I don't know who's playing at quarterback for, for Iowa. Um, you know, McNamara should go, but we never really know for sure with Kirk Ferentz. That's not the type of guy who – who's a blabbermouth, if you know what I mean. And then Iowa State, who knows what's going on there with their offensive line. You know, that game is total. Talk about low totals, 36-and-a-half, buddy. <laughs> Michigan is laying 36-and-a-half to UNLV for context. The total in the Iowa-Iowa State game is 36-and-a-half, and I don't even think I bet the over at 36-and-a-half. That's going to be a rock fight. Do you like anything in the Michigan-UNLV game? I don't know what to do with that one. I mean, I'm not really one to lay 36. You guys probably would know more than me. I mean, I, I would lean, I would lean over if UNLV can get me in the end zone a couple times. Adam, I I will say before I saw a number for this game, I was asked for a predicted final. I said 44-17. So knowing what the, knowing what the number is now, I would have to lean to taking UNLV. So you take 36, and it also sounds like you'd be over 57. Uh yeah, and I I also think look, it, UNLV's offense didn't see the full effects uh because you know I don't think they want to show everything for one, um but they are playing incredibly fast and you saw that with the time of possession that Bryant you know kind of dominated there because UNLV's just playing so fast and if they do that I I wouldn't do it if I was UNLV because you usually want to have less plays when you're overmatched but if they play to the pace that they want to play then it should help the game go over even though. Man, we did see an impact of the totals, uh, at least the you know <laughs> with the way the clocks ran this this week, which was uh, I think more than people even expected. Well, think about this too: when you go up against Michigan, you have to deal with arguably the top three defense in college football. I mean, East Carolina is going to score a lot of points this year. They put up three at the Big House. They only had two hundred and thirty-five yards of offense. They had twelve first downs. So you know UNLV may be able to move the ball against teams in its conference, but. Michigan is just a different monster. I mean, they got four guys on that defense that are going to get drafted this year. And then the guys behind them are good. So Michigan's a monster. I, I would probably go over, though. I think UNLV can get me at least 17 or 20. Colorado with a big win over TCU. They have God. good offensive players. They have really good offensive players. Is this an overreaction, though? This is what, Nebraska 7 over the summer? We've had a 10-point adjustment. It's a big-time over-adjustment, but I, I think this is probably the right number now because we were clearly too low on Colorado. We were also too high on TCU. I mean, both of those things are true. TCU, looking back, should not have been a 20, 21-point favorite um, against Colorado. But you know, Colorado was, was very poorly rated by a lot of oddsmakers. And the common narrative that I got from guys that I talked to behind the counter, they didn't have any offensive or defensive line. And, and I was like, okay, I believe you. <laughs> okay, they were fine. I mean, Shadur Sanders got sacked, what, twice? Maybe even once. I mean, he was not in trouble all game. So I was I was way more impressed with Colorado than I was disappointed with TCU. And, look, the thing about Nebraska is they had guys last year. They just turned on the coach. Scott Frost just 
He just didn't care anymore. He was just going to ride the magic carpet until he got fired. He took his coaching staff out for beers in Ireland last year, and then they lost to Northwestern. Nebraska has players. Matt Rule is going to get a lot more out of these guys. So I, I think Nebraska is better than its result, and Colorado is not as good as its result. The truth is probably in the middle. If you wanted me to make a bet in this game, I would certainly take three points with the Huskers. Bama, seven against Texas. Feels low, doesn't it? I mean, I went to the game last year in Austin. I'll never forget it because I forgot my sunscreen at home and it was 98 degrees <laughs> on the field. And I looked like the freaking Kool-Aid man when I got out of the field. Sure. Um, but that number was Bama 20. Bama was a 20-point favorite last year. And to see Bama at home against Texas 7, that feels light. Um, I, I'd probably want more points with Texas. I know Alabama lost. Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs. Um, but, you know, Texas is Texas is good defensively, man. That's a really good D. And if Jalen Milrow can't move the ball, that's Alabama's new quarterback. If Bama can't move the ball, guys, this is like a 23-20 to 20 final maybe. And you're looking at a total of 54.5. It opened 57. There's clearly been some sharp money under. I agree with that move. I'm not taking seven. If anything, I would lay it. That feels really low on Bama, and we know Nick Saban dominates his former assistants, minus Kirby Smart, of course. <laughs> what do you think of Notre Dame? It's seven and a half at NC State. We took over 50 and 50 and a half. Uh, that's up to 51 now. Obviously still good there, but when it crosses 51, that's when you start to maybe take a rain check on it. You can lay 51 at a couple shops right now in Vegas. South Point has a 51. Um, we think ND is going to score. They're going to obviously run the ball. Their O-line is extremely dominant. They got a good running back in Estime, and and the quarterback is okay. Um, I'm not laying seven, seven and a half on the highway here. We think NC State's going to move the ball, and Notre Dame is going to definitely get those big plays on the ground. They're going to break things open in the third, fourth quarter, definitely churn butter on the ground. So we like the over in that one. Want to hit some NFL? Let's hit a couple. Okay, Sam Paniotovich is with us. Nesson, Fox Sports. In general, if I play against the rookie quarterbacks who are playing, and I'm also going to – no, in general, I'm going to play against the rookie quarterbacks. Is that a bad move in the National Football League? I don't think so. I mean, I'm not one to blindly bet anything, but I'll tell you right now, my Circa Survivor pick is clearly going to be Baltimore. And I know a lot of people will tell you, well, how can you burn Baltimore? Well, you're going to take a team that might lose. You know, you're going to risk it to get the biscuit on Jacksonville at Indy. Forget it. I'm laying 10 uh, or not laying 10. I'm going to take Baltimore to survive. That's my favorite survivor pick. And that mm -hmm. plays into what you're talking about going against a rookie, CJ Stroud. Um, I like unders more than fading rookies, though. We look at Atlanta, Carolina, 39 okay. and a half. That game could be 13, 10. Are you, are you not taking Washington just because everybody else is? Correct. Okay. I I am not going to lay Washington survivor. I'm I'm not going to go out on the Washington football group. That's not happening. <laughs> I want, At that, some point, you're going to Sam Howell throws if, three interceptions. They could lose that game. They stink. First of all, I I think Sam Howell's going to be awesome, but we'll we'll find out. But my I guess the my thought would be if you're going to win this, you're going to have to take him at some point, right? There's 20 teams you're gonna have to take. I think we're getting a little bit of a delay on his line, so we'll yeah. give it one more chance. Oh boy, counting down. Ah, whatever. All right, I get it. A lot of people are taking Washington, and I I get trying to fade that for sure. What's I your pick? Think... What's your pick for Survivor? 
Washington, but I I, I can change <laughs> it. I, I decide late in the week. Why? Usually, uh, so am I crazy in trying to pluck a pluck a, a team that no one is going to pick probably throughout the season in Survivor by taking the Falcons? I know it's only three and a half. Oof. I don't think Bryce Young's going to be good to start. I, I don't think that's I a good team. I don't think Washington's going to be used very often either. This is like the one time to use them. Is that a terrible strategy to try to go way, way off on a tangent or way out of bounds with a selection? I think it kind of depends. It it maybe depends how many are in it. Like if you're in one of the major ones yeah. uh, with you know thousands and thousands of people, I would try to do something goofy. Five o'clock hours on the way. Uh, NFL insider from Pro Football Talk, Miles Simmons is up in less than five minutes.